Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm especially excited to have our guest, Victoria Brandt, discuss with us how to find and discover the pitfalls of parenting, specifically the developmental age of teenagers. We all know that our brain regresses during that part of our development, and so it becomes especially challenging as a parent to meet and understand and connect with our teens. And so we've got Victoria today who's going to share with us some really helpful tools, tricks, and information about how to better parent our teenagers. So Victoria, tell us a little bit about yourself and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Kelly. I've been a clinician here at Infinite for two and a half years now. Before starting here, I was a teacher, worked in the school's um, Head Start age. So three to five, the littles. And with that population comes a lot of work with parents. So I got to partner with families, which really was my my favorite part of the job, really helping them navigate what was going on with their children, how they could help more at home, beyond just the academics. Right. When you think about becoming a parent, there is no instruction manual. Yeah, there is it. And so I talk to my clients all the time about this. This is really just the classroom for all of the life things that you were not taught correctly, or you were taught by caregivers that maybe didn't know the most appropriate things. And so you took that educational stance and you were able to bridge that gap for parents as an educator uh, Mm -hmm. in your first career. Absolutely. Awesome. And then when I came to Infinite, I first thought I was going to be working, you know, exclusively with littles and through more advanced trainings um, and working with the lifespan, clients across the lifespan, I realized I have a real passion for working with teenagers But again, bringing in the family component and helping their parents realize um, how they can be more effective in parenting them and connecting with their teens and and navigating all of the challenges that come along with being a teenager. Right. And when you think about the connection we have with ourselves and our stories, we've been teenagers. We know what it was like to be a teenager and we know where our parents didn't get it right or fell Mm -hmm. short. And so what an awesome opportunity for you to kind of help educate families, bridge that gap and help future teenagers maybe have some of the things that our parents missed because they just didn't know what they didn't know. You know, we're all doing the best we can, but when we're, when there's gaps in what we know, we, we, the people that come to learn, you know, and our viewers who are trying to learn more about this, they're going to bridge those gaps because of what they're learning. So absolutely. I feel so honored to one, have you here to share with us and also just in this work to be able to reach a broader audience because everybody turns into a teenager at some point in their life. So you teach a class here at Infinite and I was so excited when you went through this training. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about it? So it is dialectical behavioral therapy. Whoa. What's that? I know it's a mouthful. We love the acronyms in in therapy. It is essentially a skills-based therapy, right? So it is fantastic for teenagers because what they need are skills. They need skills for how to emotionally regulate, how to tolerate distress, how to communicate in effective ways, and how to navigate their relationships in better ways. And that in particular is the module that we're in right now. What's it called? It's called Walking the Middle Path. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Can you say a little bit more about what, yeah. why, the, why the name? Walking the Middle Path is about balance. 
So balance in a lot of ways. You can think about, you know, perspectives between teenager and parents. Sometimes it feels like you're on opposite sides of the Grand Canyon. And how do we find any middle ground um, on how we move forward on issues that come up, conflicts that are super common? And it's also, you know, for ourselves, whether it's for the teenager or for the parent to notice, how do I find balance in how I'm moving through life? So balance in a parental approach between maybe being too lenient versus too strict. Awesome. So I, one of the things I loved about you going to this is so many practices or clinics offer coursework specifically for the kid yeah, or specifically for the parents. Yeah. And they don't teach both sides of the family. Here are some set of ground rules that yeah. we all should just know. Yeah. And let's learn them together. Let's practice them mm-hmm. together with mm-hmm. a, with a, in a, in a non-threatening setting, yeah. not in the middle of some kind of conflict. And let's practice these same sets of ground rules and skills so that we can have better communication all the time so that we can forge a pattern of communication that's effective. So I really love that this course offers that it just gives, it gives, it gives people a chance to learn the things they didn't learn before they had kids and also to bridge that gap, especially during the transition of a child becoming a teen. You know, when you think about the communication, I know that as a parent, one of the best tips I learned when my kids were becoming adolescents and teens was, uh, and I don't even remember who told this to me, but uh, they said, you might consider changing your language from such directive language, like pack your backpack to you might consider if you don't pack your backpack tonight, you might forget something tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. so it just changes the approach so that it empowers the child to have the opportunity to reason, consider pros and cons, weigh the natural outcome that may or may not happen, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately exercise agency in so doing. And so I love that little tidbit of what I learned, but it's really tricky when people become teens and we get so uh, locked in on we want things to be the way that we want things to be as parents because we're managing so mm-hmm. much and the chaos of our family systems is a lot to, to handle. And we're not just parents. We're also employees and we're friends and we're sisters and we're wives and we're all of those things. And so it's a lot to navigate. So in this course, can you tell me what you think is one of the most important concepts that is discussed for parenting this age group? Yes. And I will bring it back to saying that it is a game changer to have the teenagers and the parents in the room at the same time going through this because it means that it is not, the burden is not on the parents. The parents aren't the problem and the burden is not on the teenagers. It's not the teenagers who are the problem. It's the interactions and what's going on between the two that needs some help. Awesome. And so one of the best concepts, one of my favorite concepts that we talk about to address this is validation. Validation will give you the keys to the kingdom when you are working with parents and when you are working with your teenagers and trying to get things to go better for you. So say more about that. Validation is essentially communicating whether with your, both with your words and non-verbally that you understand where the other person is coming from. You understand uh, how they're feeling and that it makes sense in a given situation. So can you give us an example of how this would be done correctly. Maybe, you know, thinking of a client case or a recent incident in one of your courses where you were able to demonstrate this and even maybe model for or course correct what appropriate validation might look like. Sure. And so let's say someone is feeling upset. It's really just being able to come in and communicate 
with your, with your body language and say, oh man, yeah, I can tell that does sound like it'd be really upsetting. You, you sound really disappointed about that. So it's kind of bringing a label or a word to what it looks like the other person is feeling and just giving them a sense that I get it. So empathy. It's essentially empathy. Right. Yeah. Empathy, which is hard to do when we as parents are caught up in our own experience over what's happening. Yes. And we, we are humans too. And we get activated and we get triggered because of our own neurobiology when we are faced with experiences that our kids either go through or share with us. So can you tell us some of the pitfalls that happen because of our imperfection as a, mm-hmm. as a human parent and, uh, and, and what sometimes you see happen, although a parent might be attempting to exhibit validation or empathy, what, what do you see happen that are kind of problematic behaviors and that get in the way of this? There are plenty of pitfalls that parents inadvertently step into, right? They are coming to coming towards their teens with the best of intentions. And yet maybe they don't agree with how their, their teenager is feeling. They wish they weren't feeling that way. So they want to rescue them from it. Right? Rather than acknowledge that, yeah, you're feeling really sad right now or you're really hurt. They kind of want to rescue them from that. Um, what does the rescue look like? So one example of rescuing that I can bring from my own life story that I've witnessed um, be that when my, when my papa died, I was with my younger sister who at the time, she's much younger, but at that time she was around 12 um, and my mom was trying to help her through this. And in doing so with beautiful intention said, Oh honey, it's okay. You don't need to cry. Don't be sad, sweet girl. It's okay. So much love pouring from my mom in that. And yet it is rescuing her from what is actually a really normal and natural response to death. And an attempt to control her emotional experience. Don't be sad. Yeah. Because of her own discomfort. Because she didn't want to see her hurting. Right. And the problem in that uh, is that it communicates inadvertently that don't show sadness around me, right? And when it maybe can lead to some mistrust in their self of, should I not be feeling sad? Should I not cry? Is that not an okay way to express sadness, right? Should I keep this in? Or am, am the way or, that I want to show emotions, is that just wrong? Yeah. Or am I too much? Am I too much? Is my sad too much for her and can she yeah. not handle it? So all those yeah. messages that... Yeah. Get, get internally encoded for yeah. someone when, when there is that misattunement mm-hmm. or that empathic failure. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So what's another pitfall that you see parents experience uh, and, and the negative consequence of that pitfall? I think a big one that parents fall into, again, in a well-meaning way, is problem solving. Mm-hmm. Right? Failing to take that pause to first acknowledge how their teenager is feeling and kind of jumping over that step to the problem-solving stage, right? And it comes with quite a few problems. Like what? What's a what's a negative implication or impact from a parent who jumps into problem-solve? It kind of conveys that the feelings around it aren't as important. You know, I have a recent example of, of a growth opportunity, or, or I, I should say of an, of an area that I have been working on and grown in my own parenting. I was super guilty of being a rescuing problem solver. And I think it had a lot to do in my own story about so much falling on my shoulders. And then when one of my kids would call with their overwhelm or their upset or wherever the mistake happened in their choices, 
it's like, because I'm barraged with so many problems in my life, I have a lot of people that I love. Uh, I was having a hard time tolerating that that was happening instead of just realizing I don't actually have to solve anything. And so I want to share a recent example. So my son has uh, had a couple of issues with being towed. He parks in places that are, whether he misses a sign or whether he uh, thinks it'll just be a minute and he'll get back in time before anything negative happens. And I mean, it's, it's been a problem of, of, for him and, and cost him quite a bit of money. And, and so he calls, you know, recently and he's, uh, really upset. You know, he's very distraught. He's very overwhelmed that his car has been towed and he's so mad and he's just kind of lashing out and he's not lashing out at me. He, and I used to kind of feel like it was at me when he would do this. And it, he wasn't lashing out at me. He was just lashing out about it. And so I was just quiet. And there was a long pause after an initial lash out. And I just said, getting towed sucks so hard. It just sucks. You feel so powerless, so betrayed, so much shame because somehow you did something wrong. You know, it's just a shitty, shitty feeling. And he was just like, you know, and I was only a little bit in the red, <laughs> you know, and I resisted my impulse to go, well, there's a lesson. And I was just like, man, just the tiniest mistake has such a negative impact. I'm just so sorry for you that you are going through this right now. And it built connection for us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he comes back later a couple of days and he goes, you know, I saw pictures and it was actually worse than I thought. You know, and if I was the person that was impacted by someone parking there, I, you know, I don't know if I would have called the tow company, but I, I definitely would have gone and knocked on their door if I was really tired of having to deal with this. So he came in a much more integrated way afterwards because he learned something from the experience. And, you know, I think we don't oftentimes give our kids credit that they will learn. That emotion is a powerful teacher and they will learn from these negative consequences, especially if we can be a safe place to land for them to call and we don't have to take on the onus of fixing it. Yes, exactly. And so I think you also dipped into uh, one of the other pitfalls that's common that's Oh, what did I do? What did I do? No, you, <laughs> you addressed it, but you didn't fall into it. Mm. Um, but similar to problem solving, which is wanting to teach a lesson in some of these moments. Oh, good. That's a twofer on me. Yeah. I, mean, I would have done the other too. Like, well, what did you learn in such a almost condescending way? Mm -hmm. And I'm just over it. I don't want to be that way. So, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why parents fall into these is they wish their kids didn't feel a certain way. They don't agree or they see, they can see with kind of their adult lens that, well, hello, the, of course, you know, A leads to B leads to C. So this is why you're here. But if we can't sit with them and acknowledging like, it sucks so bad to get towed, doesn't it? Right. That connection will let it be way more effective when we do help them problem solve, when we do teach the lesson. And, you know, now that you mention it, what I real realized I did is after he had calmed down and after he'd kind of gotten himself a game plan on what he was going to do next, I go, this is why adults are so anxious about parking. I'm like, because it's just the worst feeling. And, you know, you tease me that I'm so anxious about things but I've been towed and it's expensive and it's inconvenient and it's so frustrating. I just don't want that to happen again. So I'm really cautious about the signage and the timing and all of those things. And so this is, these are what, this is one of those yeah. things that happens in our life that, that, that we use to make different choices later. And so, you know, I was able to say that and he just laughed at me because I think he was seeing it as well. Yeah. You know, 
So thinking about these pitfalls that we've talked today and you talking about this middle path at the, at the beginning of our episode, when you think about balance, what, what does that look like to you as far as balancing, you know, how do we direct, how do we parent, how do we leave room for them? So there are a few different kind of things that happen as far as uh, lack of balance in parenting, specifically with parental approach can be the spectrum of being too loose versus too strict. So oftentimes parents will land far on one end of the spectrum or the other. Or what we see is they're on one side, things are too loose, there's not a whole lot of boundaries, the expectations are not clear, communication is not clear. And then they notice that things feel a little chaotic and they swing to the other end of the spectrum and get really rigid and really strict and that inconsistency causes a lot of problems in the family system. That makes sense. I mean, we can't teach our kids that everything is going to be loose and that we're not going to have any, we're not going to express any expectations. And then all of a sudden they aren't meeting our imagined right. shoulds and supposed tos. And then we're mad at them when in fact it's a boundary issue. Mm-hmm. We haven't expressed the way that things need to look in the home and the structure wasn't clear. And so kids will find the edges whatever those may be. And they, they really do want the structure. They want to know how to be successful. They want consistency. And so when we as parents don't follow through with that, we then, like you said, try to course correct and we just become over the top and try to overpower or control. And, and what problem does that create? Well, yeah, the reason why this matters is it leads to so much conflict in the household. Teenagers are resentful. The parents are resentful that nothing is happening in the way that, as you said, they imagined it would play out in their head. And we're blaming, blaming to discharge our pain and discomfort, you know, fix my kid, they, they, they. And it's my favorite when a parent comes in and they, 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 and I go, well, we're going to have to look at this whole environment. I'm not treating your child Mm -hmm. in a vacuum. And I need you to understand that you are the foundation of the experience and you are actually the one with the power and control. So we're going to have to have some hard conversations to get this shored up. And I think that the parents listening to this are one step ahead because they're, they're intentionally initiating learning for themselves. And I think the kids that are going to benefit from that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, all the parents that I've worked with are just phenomenal, wonderful parents and you don't know what you don't know. Right. And when we frame it up that way, it becomes a lot easier pill to swallow. Yeah. I didn't know that this was going to cause that. And then they were going to act this way. And I have to look in the mirror at my part in it. And as parents, unfortunately, we really have to take a lot of the ownership Mm -hmm. on the system that we've created in our homes because we are the ones with the choices, whereas our kids are just there without the choices. So when you think about some of the ways that people parent without balance, what's another error that you see? A big one is either forcing kids to be independent too soon when that's not developmentally appropriate, when the readiness and skills are not there, or fostering dependence, right? So the parents are wanting the kids to be, and their teenagers to be dependent on them too long when that's also not developmentally appropriate. Trying to instill too much independence too young. What are, what are some, can you think of an example where you've seen that? Sure. It, it happens a lot when there's an oldest in the, in the family system. And even if that oldest is only eight or nine, the, the expectations are a little bit different because the comparison, the others are three and four. And so you're eight, you should be able to X, Y, Z, fill in the blank there. When 
Should they really? And also that's a really shaming way to say it. Yeah. But we see that, right? All the time. And so this expectation that there should be more independence um, and kind of forcing that, especially if parents are overburdened, right? If there's too much on their plate, the demands of life are a little bit too much. And so really wanting their kids to have more independence, but they're not ready yet. It's so hard. It's so hard. And it sends such a, it sends such a hard message to the child mm-hmm. when they are expected to be something they're not developmentally yeah. ready to be. Yeah, they it's need really a little bit more support. Creates. The flip side of that, which we see a lot nowadays, is that parents are not ready to let the, loosen up the reins, not ready to let their kids fly out of the nest a little bit, and instead want to keep some of that dependence on them. So that they have a purpose so that they can say that I'm the parent. And I've heard parents in, in uh, one of the classes that I teach uh, say, well, you know, but I'm a stay at home mom. So I really should be putting their clothes away. And I go, your child is 15. <laughs> your child needs to learn how to do homework, put their clothes away, do their laundry so that when they leave, they are capable and they have mm-hmm. the resilience to tolerate the demands of life. And they're not mad at you saying, I don't know how to do all this. My mom did it all for me. So we create uh, that lack of independence by over-functioning uh, with our kids as well. So correct, that, and, that's problematic. And it's, it's not fair, but it does happen a lot more with moms because sometimes, you know, you are in that role of being everything from day one, right? Sure. And that's a wonderful role to be in, but learning how that can change and evolve over time, the what transition. it means- to be mom has to change a little bit, right? Sure. And, and for the dads out there, what it means to be dad has to change a little bit so that you're not, you know, parenting a 17-year-old child. You're parenting a 17-year-old near adult. Correct. And some of the societal norms and gender roles that we have placed on you know, specific genders for those roles, those really need some course correction too. You know, dads Absolutely. need to hug and kiss their kids. Mm-hmm. Dads need to tuck in their kids. Dads need to bathe their kids, you know, and, and, and moms need to work sometimes and moms need to go do some of these other things. And kids need to see that we can, we can rely on one another in our family system to have different roles. And so all of that flexibility does create a lot more flexibility in the child, which which is kind of cool too. It's another way that we need balance, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just between different types Mm -hmm. of parental approaches, but balance within the, the parents themselves, right? Can both parents show up in an equal way to, to help the teens? And does the kid, have they been taught that I can go to either parent for? And has the parent received that so that that becomes the pattern of the child? All these cool things to look at when it comes to parenting. Um, I really thank you for this conversation. I think it's ever so important with parenting. Parenting is, in my opinion, the hardest job and pretty much the most thankless (laughs) job that there is until they're like in their mid, late 20s. They don't really get how much it takes. And that as parents, we're just humans too, trying to navigate and negotiate these uncharted territories. And so I really appreciate you being here and all of the awesome work that you do for the families that are lucky enough to see you. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We know this is a hard conversation, but you're better equipped for having listened. And we're grateful for you to have put in the time and energy to improve this area of your life. And if you have any questions or would like to participate in one of Victoria's upcoming groups, you can find the link below. 
And so I hope you move forward today and all days leading with love because it'll never steer you wrong.